Also, don't forget, if you weren't here last week on your way out, you can grab a fridge magnet and one of our steps card, because um, last week we cast the vision to build a new auditorium and build all new kids' spaces. And so on February 18th, we're all going to bring our best gift, and we're going to give together. Remember I told you all, if y'all got to go get plasma or do something, just do it, because we're going we're gonna to make it happen on February 18th. And then hopefully, uh, prayerfully, good Lord willing, by the end of the year, um, and the next, next week I'll have some really good drawings for you from our um, interior designer. It's going to look cool. You'll be able to see it a little bit. And so that's progressing as we go on. And so I'm excited about it. Amen, everybody? And so I'm ready to get from three services back down to two and have, you know, come on, man, new kids' spaces and all this stuff. Kids will be worshiping in here. It'll be powerful. So, all right, open your Bibles with me this morning. Let's get right into it. Grab your notes because this message today uh, about relationships um, is going to really change a lot of things for you, I believe. Um, so here we are. Welcome back to week two of our series to start the year to set the direction for not only where we're going together as a church, the steps we're taking, um, but also the steps that you're taking inside of 2024, inside of your healing journey inside of your life. We're, 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 we are starting a journey both individually and together to begin to intentionally take the steps that God has laid out for us. Uh, the vision, the scripture behind this is Psalm 37. The Bible says that, that um, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. You guys remember this? They'll put the scripture up here in just a second. Um, but it says the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. What are these steps? What are these steps that, that the Bible's talking about here? They're, they're steps into healing. How many of you need some healing in your life? Come on, somebody. Man, wasn't that ministry moment powerful? Steps into restoration in your life. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your heart. Maybe it's inside of your family. Steps into growth. Uh, man, we all need to grow, right? We're continually growing into who God called us to be. We're not where we used to be, but we're not where we want to be. We want to continually take steps to grow. Steps into relationships. Steps into the impact that He is destined for, for your life and for my life. Our life is meant to make a difference. Amen. Amen. And here's the thing about these steps. I talked about this last week. I love this about the Lord. He is omniscient and omnipresent and all-knowing and, and all of the things. He's capable of creating galaxies with His words. And He's capable of establishing the steps we're supposed to take. However, the only thing He is incapable of is taking the steps for us. Amen, everybody. So we've got to begin to intentionally take those steps inside of our life. And that's what we're talking about. It's his, his job to establish the steps, but we've got to do the walking. These steps are so crucial because, listen to me this morning, and I know this is going to challenge us at the first part of the year. We talked about last week uh, get, getting ready to, to take steps, and then we unrolled the vision of steps, and what do God's steps look like, and, and now we're beginning to take those steps. And, and here's the thing, like these steps that we're talking about, especially relationships today, they're what's in between you and the life you want to live, the steps of God. Like His steps that He's established for your life, they're the only thing in between you and the healing that He has already paid for you to have. 
Amen, everybody. Already for the growth that he's already has, they're already established, and they're the only thing that's keeping you from the life that God has called you to live. The peace that you've, he died for you to have, the sacrifices he made for that. So today, together, we're going to dive into what it means to take his steps into life-giving relationships inside of our lives. Life-giving relationships inside of our lives. All right, I'm going to sit down here and be your friend for a minute. Are you ready? So don't, don't check out on me because I think this applies to everybody. Um, as I was praying about this and thinking about this this week, talking about taking steps into relationships. Um, it's really no secret, like when you stop and think about it, because I was thinking about it this week. Um, it, it's really no secret that we live in a culture, in a world that is quite honestly, giving us a bad picture for what our relationships are actually supposed to look like, biblically. Like, we're, we're, we're more virtually connected than any generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. Are y'all with me? We, we are more virtually connected to people than, than any other people group that has ever been peopled. In human history. Like, think about it. In a moment, I can grab a phone and be virtually connected to millions of people. Connected to millions of people. Tons of friends, right? Like, with the click of a button. Like, hundreds of followers I can be connected to on this phone. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? Like, I can message them on that phone. I can like their status. I can comment endlessly in the comment section. And over time, here's the problem. Here's what you got to see today when we're talking about taking a next step into relationships. And over time, so many of us have built our social structures, our support structures on this digital platform. And then we walked through a global pandemic that exacerbated that structure. Now it's not just friends. Now it's church. Now it's work. Now it's everything. And so what we've, what we've really been forced to do, all of us are not immune from this, from Zoom meetings to this thing to that thing. We have been pushed to, to develop relationships in a digital way, connecting to other people. And as a result, here's the problem, because I did a lot of research for you this week. As a result, we are more virtually connected to more people than ever before. However, 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 we all feel it and know that we are more vitally disconnected than we've ever been before. We all feel that. Like our generation... And I know what you say, like, oh, your generation. No, you're the generation walking the earth for this little hundred-year block. So when I say our generation, I mean you. Like, our generation has had to try to figure out how to navigate this on the fly. 
like this new landscape that we've been handed inside of relationships. We've had to like try to figure this out uh, on the fly, how to navigate this new landscape the best we could. Like it's all we know. It's, it's not all I know because I was like on the verge of like, I didn't have a cell phone and then I got to borrow my mom's when I went somewhere and then ultimately I had one. But, but like my children and those that are, that are a lot of our church, our church is predominantly, not predominantly, there's a big group of young people, but they don't know anything different than this online platform of connection. It's so funny because I went to eat lunch with a, or went to eat dinner with a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Kyle um, Evans, and uh, we took our boys because Titus, his boy, and my son are both 13, and we, we, we thought it would be a cool, you know, little guys thing, you know, guys sitting around eating chicken wings, talking about the ladies or whatever, you know what I mean? And so, me and Kyle, we're just having this great conversation, and, and I'm sitting here, and, and, and Kyle's where Dino is, and Titus is right here. It's a little square table, and Riker is here, and Kyle and I talk for 30 minutes, man. We're just locked in, you know, talking about life and ministry and kids and all the things, and I look over, and it dawns on me, Mike, these boys have not said a word, and I said, boys, like, y'all can talk to each other, and they're like, we have been, Dad. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I look and they both have their cell phones under the table and they've been sending memes to each other back and forth. They, they've been, listen to me, they've been connecting or communicating. They haven't been connecting. The problem we have and we all feel it is we live in a landscape, a digital landscape that is really great at connecting us. I mean, sorry. It's really great on building an avenue for, for communication. It is terrible at actually connecting us. Come on, that's good. Like, that's all we know. Like, our generation has had to try to figure this out on the fly. There's a difference between communicating and connecting. And as a result, this thing, the phone, the internet, not saying it's bad, it's a great tool, that was supposed to connect us more has driven us as a society into what's known as, in these studies I read this, this week, into generation lonely is what it's called. Like this thing, the internet, the social media, the, the World Wide Web, which I don't want to bash on because it's a powerful tool. However, it sold us the connection model but could only deliver the, I got to get this better for the next service. It sold us the communication model. It sold us the connection model, but could only deliver the communication model. Does that make sense? It sold us connection, but could only deliver on communication. This is interesting. And as a society, we're known as what's called the lonely generation. Anxiety, depression, suicide rates are at an all-time high. We're more connected, but more, more sick. Beyond that, we all feel it. Like, the number one response I get to people who come to our church is, like, I just felt alone. I feel alone. I feel like I'm all alone. We have thousands of possible, millions of possible digital connection points and very few, listen to me, and very few, if any, meaningful, meaningful relationships inside of our life because we just don't know any better. 
Amen. One of the studies I read this week, this is interesting, man, this is interesting. One of the studies I read this week consisted of examining the motives behind why we seek out these digital connection points, why we log on and scroll, why we do this, why we do Instagram, why, like why? why, why, this is interesting when you stop and pull yourself out of it and think about it. We do TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. A lot, a lot of people, they all do all those. Okay, now rather than criticize, like let's determine. So the study looked at the motives behind why people are propelled almost subconsciously to these digital communication points. And it's fascinating. One of the studies I read this week consisted of exam examining the motives behind why we seek out these digital connection points, why they're act why we're what we're actually wanting out of them. What they found is that what we actually desire is what, what was in this study. This is what was listed. Authenticity. Genuine care and compassion. Real-time accountability and encouragement. The things inside of us that we are actually pursuing, we have determined, if, if we're all of sober mind here this morning, that that cannot deliver that. Or we would not be known as what's generation lonely. We would not have anxiety and depression and loneliness and suicide rates be at an all-time high if what we were wanting out of this thing, it could actually deliver that thing. That's why I would submit to you this morning, it is for communication, not for connection. Relationships that God has called you to walk in in your life, they are designed and built not just for communication, but for connection. So we have to rethink the way we think about relationships when we think about taking our next step into relationships. Like these things, Facebook, Instagram, this, this, these connection, these communication points, they are supplementary at best. But the problem is most of us have built the foundation and the bedrock of the way that we see relationships on those things. And as a result, we're just not healthy. In short, what we are actually looking for, craving, needing most, we actually can't get by and large from the way we've been taught to relate to one another on a digital basis. Would you agree with that now that I've set this up? Here's the thing. The answer to so many things that we struggle with on a daily basis, the things that we prayed for this morning in this room, anxiety, depression, loneliness, it can be mitigated. We've just got to take the steps to get there. The key component, listen to me, the key component to my healing in my life, your healing in your life, I believe this and will preach it till the day I die, is the right relationships. The key to the breakthrough you need is in the right relationships. The key to the, to the anxiety you feel being mitigated is in the right relationships. I want to say it again. Listen to me this morning. Hopefully they wrote this down. Matthew made a slide. The level of healing you experience in your life is directly connected to the relationships you choose to walk in. That's tough, isn't it? The level of healing that you experience in your life are directly connected to the relationships 
that you choose to walk in. So if we're all on our own healing journey, Sean, you're on your own healing journey. I'm on my own healing journey. Teddy, you're on your own healing journey. We're all, Jeff, you're on your own healing journey. We're all on our own healing journey individually, and we're all on a healing journey together. So if we're all on our own healing journeys, and if relationships are the component that we actually need to receive healing, the healing that Jesus died for, then we have to do relationships right. Would you agree? And the way we are doing them is not working. Would you agree? By and large. I'm sure we'll get some heckler in here today that will think, well, uh, study cited, whatever. So how do we, the question is, how do we allow these God-given relationships in our lives to help heal us, to help us grow? And, and all the things. How do we do that? Because I have to let it, right? i got to walk in it. How do we do that? I love this because in James 5.16, really short scripture today. I almost felt a little condemned because I didn't use enough scripture in my message today. I always have this little voice in the back of my head that's like, you need to use more scripture. Anyway, I don't think it's the Holy Spirit. But James 5.16 lays out how you and I, if you're on a healing journey and I'm on a healing journey together, how our relationship together, how we do it right, that will actually lead to healing. Does that make sense? Okay, therefore, confess your sin. Ah! <laughs> your sins to one another. Hang on, I, I, already, I love it because I already wrote this into the message. I'm about to disarm you. Okay, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be... That's interesting. Confession, we connect that with forgiveness. But here, in the relational context, James is saying confession is connected to healing. This is going to get good today. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. If this scripture is true, which I believe it is, then we must start placing these relationships, these God-given relationships, in places of priority inside of our life and not the other. If this is true, which I believe the little brother of Jesus would know something about something, then I have to place the, the relationships that God has placed me in my life in places of priority in my life. I have to make them a priority. If healing is what we desire, what we need, then we have to intentionally redefine, listen to me, and restructure our lives to attain healing, right? It's like if you want to get well, you don't not take the medicine. You don't not stop eating junk. You don't not start working out if you really want to be healthy. Don't you just like the idea of being healthy? If you actually want to be healed, then you must restructure your relationship, relational life in such a way that healing is actually going to happen. Or else you'll just bounce from one relationship to the next, not ever getting to where where God has designed you to get inside of relationships. So how do we do that? How do we take the steps in our relationship to bring about the healing we so desperately need? James 5.16 gives us some really cool details inside of this. Number one is confession. Everybody say confession. Now hold up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before you lose your mind <laughs> and you don't join a small group, hang on. This is a big scary word, this word confession. And it comes with tons of religious baggage, doesn't it? Like, 
I can already feel the tension in the room go up to like extreme levels. <laughs> Bryce, you're not going to have to tell me everything you did wrong this week. You're like, oh, no, <laughs> I want to. Hang with me. When I say confession, I want you to picture in your mind you sitting in the middle of a... Like when I say confession, here's what happens. You picture in your mind you sitting in the middle of a circle with a bright light on you telling people you don't know everything you've done wrong, right? That's not it! That would not bring you healing. That would bring you PTSD. That's not what the Bible's after. It's simply... I feel like I'm yelling a lot today. It's simply letting someone know what's actually bothering you. What you're actually struggling with. Here's what it is. Here's what confession is. I'm going to choose to not carry this weight on my own. That's what confession is. Like, why is, why is confession so important? Well, when you get saved, you get forgiven right? When you get saved, you get forgiven. You can be forgiven from God and still not free. You can be white as snow and going to go to heaven for eternity. And you can live in misery on earth without this relational component of confession. Allowing someone else to share the load with you. Listen to me. You can pray about it and still carry it. You can pray about it and still struggle with it. You ever heard you're only as sick as your secrets? It's the truth. It's the truth. Like, I love this because there's so much power in this confession. Like, I, I love being good at everything. And I don't want to call... Uh, people and tell them I'm struggling because I'm, I'm, you know, supposed to be the pastor and supposed to have it all figured out and supposed to be the dad and have it all figured out and the husband and have it all figured out. And finally, I broke down toward the end of the year because I was watching, man, our attendance numbers were dwindling and, and people just, it just kind of seemed like it wasn't going well. And I was wanting to rethink everything and fire myself and get somebody in here who was better, you know, just all the things. And then I called my friend, Kyle, and I said, hey, brother, I'm struggling. And he was like, oh, with what? And I was like, man, I don't feel like anyone likes our church anymore. I feel like it's terrible. I feel like no one's coming anymore. And he was, and, and, and in a moment, because I was able to confess that, he was, he was able to say like, yeah, that's normal. It's the end of the year. And you don't have that feeling until you're able to confess with somebody. Come on, are y'all with me? Here's what confession actually looks like. I'd love for you small group leaders to begin to use this inside of your small group. This is great stuff. Let me give you some steps. The Bible says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Let me give you some steps for biblical confession inside of your relationships. When you meet together, let's say Jeff, you and Teddy are having lunch. This is a great thing to walk through. Steps for biblical confession. Number one, you answer the question, how did I feed my soul? Hey man, Teddy, how'd you feed your soul this week? Oh man, I read this devotional, I'm reading the Bible, or hey, I'm not. I ain't picked up the Bible in a week. Oh, okay, cool, man. Hey man, let, let, let's, let me help you with that. Does that make sense? This is biblical confession. How did you feed your soul? Number two, how did you feed others? Hey Jeff, what did you do for somebody this week? Have you preached the gospel this week? Because man, a big part of your own healing and your journey is you sharing the gospel with other people. And man, I just hadn't been, I just hadn't been doing it lately. Man, that'll help you with your healing journey as you begin to minister to other people. Amen, everybody. 
Here's the last one. This one's a little more tricky. How did I feed my soul? How did I feed others? And how did I feed my flesh? That's the hard one. And I looked at porn this week. And I, 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 I yelled at my wife. Man, I just, I just did whatever I wanted to do this week. I, I was short with my kids. I didn't pitch in around the house. Come on, somebody. This is called feeding your flesh. I did this thing that I know is not right for me, and I did it anyway. Like that, That's it. That's what biblical confession looks like. Let me tell you this really quick, just to be real with you. Just to be real with you. The answers to the questions, these, the answers to these questions, how did I feed my soul? How did I feed others? And how did I feed my flesh? They are the stepping stones to a better place for you inside of your life. It's the only context... It's only in the context of relationship. Listen to me. When we get honest about where we are, what we are actually going through, that God can move us closer to our healing and our restoration. Only when we get honest. It's only when we back the truck up and say, hey, this is me. All right, number two, prayer. Everybody say prayer. This is a big one. This is a big one. Talking about taking your next step in relationships. Number one is confession. Number two is prayer. I love that the Bible lays out this detail for us as we begin to have better relationships. Do you see the, the, the progression here? It's confession, then it's prayer. Now that I've got it off my chest, I raised my hand this morning and I got prayer. Now that I got it off my chest, I'm in the perfect place to receive healing inside of that moment in my life. Amen? I love, it's almost like the Bible knows what it's doing. But, but you can't receive healing for that area in your life if you will not get honest about having that area in your life. You must really love it. You must really want to keep it. Or you really must just want to keep using it as a, as a scapegoat for why you're angry, why you're isolated, why you do the things you do. Come on, everybody. Prayer. I'm just telling you, this is the most important because there are few things that are more powerful than someone taking the time to pray with you when you need it most. You just don't have that if you don't have the right relationships. This is up to us. If we're going to live the life God's called us to live, we have to place the relationships that God has placed us in and priorities in your life. Hey, I need you to pray for me, man. I am struggling over here. Hey, man, I need you to pray for me. I cannot stand my wife this week. Hey, I need you to pray for me. I'm about to go get, I don't know how many, we pray for you to get a job. We pray for Wally to get a promotion. Like what, like, what, I guess prayer, like, and that helped, right? You needed a job, we prayed, and then you got a job, praise God. But you didn't have to carry that load anymore because we prayed about it. Because you were honest about it. Come on, somebody. People can't help you and God can't heal you in areas you're not willing to get honest about and to be able to receive healing in. If we're going to do this different, this just has to be the way we operate. Or we just stay sick. Not making an impact on the world. Prayer. I love this because the Bible says pray for it. Pray for them. Don't talk about them. If I ever catch you, I'll send you packing. I don't play that crap. Not here. Like you, if you pray, if you're talking about somebody, you better you better be praying for them. You better. I, I just anyway. Not only do we need people who will pray for and over us inside of our lives, but we need people that are a safe place for us to confess too. 
But I think that goes without saying, like, we must be those people. You're going to enter small groups this week. It's just real fast, like, just real honest. Like, small groups are small groups, and they what happens at small groups stays inside a small group. If Josh is having a problem with Tracy, he's going to have to, in a small group, go talk to Tracy, not talk about him. Come on, are y'all with me? Like this, not only do we need these people in our life that we can trust to confess, we have to be these people. Think back to the initial motives for having, for, for like trying to, think back to the initial motives we're trying to reach for in these digital connections. If we want authenticity, genuine care, and compassion, prayer is the vehicle that brings us together in that. I loved it because I got to watch little groups pray for each other today and I just watched them all cry. Because prayer brings us together in that care and compassion. And Are you all with me? Amen. Galatians 6.2, right? Bear one another's burden. And so fulfill the law of Christ. I just can't bear your burden if you don't confess it. I can't pray for a burden. I can't pray for an unspoken prayer request. I also refuse to. Adamantly. All right, number three. Number three, <laughs> y'all don't, don't do that. Don't do unspoken prayer requests. I have a prayer request. What is it? It's unspoken. Okay. Praise God. All right, number three. Number three. So we have confession. How do we take our next step in relationship? Well, I just got to be more honest with people. Number two, I just got to gotta, gotta pray for people. I got to have people pray for me. And number three is I got to have agreement. Everybody say agreement. I love this. Because I struggled with how to finish out this relational wisdom that James gives us. Put the scripture back up here. James 5.16. He says, The prayer of a righteous person has great... What? I love this because I'm about to change your life. It's the right people. It's the right people. Like... You see inside of the Bible, Jesus had his three, Peter, James, and John. He had the 12 disciples. He had the multitudes of people. But when he needed to get right, he retreated with Peter, James, and John. Like, yeah, you may have a small group of 12 people. And I understand there are some boundaries where I don't want to share in that large of a group. But, but, but I've got to have guys that I can sit with like Dave and say like, man, I'm struggling over here, Dave. And I know that it's never going to go past Dave, and I know that Dave's going to help me, and Dave's going to pray for me, and Dave's going to encourage me. And come on, somebody. It's the right people. you, you got to have those people in your life that to retreat with and won't let you retreat alone. You need those people that won't let you retreat alone. I'm not talking about friends. I'm not talking about followers. I'm not talking about comments. I'm talking about family. God-given family. The Bible says that a friend loves at all times, but a brother was born for adversity. I don't need people in my life, and you don't need people if you're really desiring healing. You don't need people that will say, oh, I will pray with you. You need people who say, let me pray with you. I wonder why he says that, that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's the prayer of agreement. That's the power. Because as we touch and agree... It's so. As two or more agree, He's here. This is why it's so important to place these relationships in places of priority inside of your life. The Bible says a friend loves at all times, but a brother has born for adversity. 
Not only do we have to identify these people in our lives, but our pursuit must be to become these people. The reason that prayer, the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working is because it is utilizing the power of agreement. You need to be intentional about placing the right people in your camp. People of faith. People of wisdom. People who have the power to agree with you on what God says about you. Listen, I love all people, and I have people that I know everywhere. But I'm going to tell you this. When hell and high water come, because they will in your life, you better be mindful of who you're sitting across from. Because if they don't have the power of agreement and they don't believe like you believe, you are wasting your breath. I know that's strong. But you don't need to be talking to somebody about marriage advice that's divorced. No offense. I need to talk to somebody who hung on by their freaking teeth and made it 75 years and how, how I should die to myself and actually make that happen. You understand that? We're letting these single people give us marriage advice. We're letting these broke people give us financial advice. Say, so, man, you shouldn't tithe. That, you should put that 10% in an IRA. You, you understand the power of agreement? It's the right people. It's confession, it's prayer, and it's the power of agreement that heals us inside of our life. 2 Corinthians 6.14. The Bible says this. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, you can take this however you want, but I'm going to tell you this, it's the reason you're not healed and you're in the same friend groups. It's the reason you're not healed and you're in the same groups on social media. It's the same reason that you keep having people in your life that you don't understand the dynamic of your relationship, which is I'm discipling you. I'm not asking you for advice. It says, what, what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? Don't take it all the way there. Like, what partnership does, do you have when you're believing God for a miracle of healing inside of your body and you're sitting next to someone who does not believe God can heal you? The power of agreement. We have to start placing these relationships in places of priority inside of our life. I, I'm, I'm all for this. Everybody, please pray for me. I'm having a rough time. I'm all for that post on social media, but listen, I have proven to you today that that will not heal you. It will not give you genuine connection, authenticity, and support. It just won't. It says, oh, what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion, what portion, it's the next slide, just the next one. Does a believer share How many times have you went to an unbeliever and asked them for advice? Come on, it's so true. We all do it. How many times have you went to somebody who hadn't been there before and asked them what you should do about what they've never done before? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? The world says it's about me. God says it's about what he wants to do in your marriage. Come on, that's good. The world says... I am the idol, idol. And God says, you're just the peace to bring about healing in other people's lives. This is the difference between light and darkness sitting together. Now, I'm not, 
trying saying we should all huddle up in here because we've got evangelism going all throughout our small groups. But let me just challenge you today. If you want to take a step into healing, it comes from the power of agreement. Restoration in your marriage comes from the power of agreement. Encouragement comes from the power of agreement. The you, the you you want to be on the other side of taking these steps comes from the power of agreement. You have a choice today. Join a small group or not. Start using biblical relationships in your life or not. Amen, everybody.